This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, my name is Raya and this is Was That Good For You, a podcast all about sex and relationships. We cover everything from kinks to long distance dating and everything in between and a lot more random shit now that we're all in a quarantine and I am recording from my bedroom. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A where I cover a bunch of different topics based off of questions that you guys asked me on my Instagram. Today's guest is my roommate and repeat guest, Megan Rose. Megan, you want to introduce yourself again? Hi, everyone. So for those of you that listened the first time, you already know that I kind of have this ridiculous laundry list of titles that I go by. Um, Registered yoga instructor, Reiki master teacher, intuitive tarot card reader, but I like to kind of blanket all of that as a spiritual advisor. I love that. It's going to be great because I feel like you're going to come at these questions from a very different place that I would come at these questions, which is good. Trying to always be just slightly conscious, even in my most unconscious state. Oh, (laughs) we stand. Okay, let's jump right into the questions. Okay, first question. How to deal with friends with benefits if he or she becomes too possessive? So, I mean... Even with the word possessive, we're already putting onto it that this is coming out of a fear base. Yeah. This is not love based. Mm -hmm. And even in the way I know the word love skeeves a lot of people out in modern day dating, my belief is that everything can always be rooted back to fear or love. So if you're approaching something with possessive energy already, whether it's you or the person that you're dating, to me, it's kind of like this is more of a learning lesson. This is more of a test than it is something of actual substance that can withstand the long term. For sure. Possessiveness and any kind of relationship is like one of the worst things and absolutely detrimental. I've been in relationships where I've been the possessive person Mm -hmm. and I've been in relationships where the other people are. And even if you're not a possessive person, you feed off of that energy and you become possessive. Sometimes it's like just out of spite. Like, I've been in relationships where I'm not possessive, but once they start to be, then I'll be like, well, fine, let me look through your phone, too. Like, it's like you just, (laughs) you become, you do it just because they're doing it, and you, like, feed off of that, and it's terrible. But especially in Friends with Benefits, I think at this point, if there's any possessiveness at all, it's not Friends with Benefits anymore. Like, it's already become something else for that person. Right. And I think, unfortunately, as, like, severe as it sounds you should probably end it. Absolutely. If if you want to continue to just be friends with benefits, because that's over with. Right. Already. Completely. You're changing the dynamic from the get-go when possessive energy comes in. But what I will say, um, and kind of going back to this, is the word love has such a weird stipulation in yeah. modern day dating that I almost wonder if that person is asking because they're starting to feel a transition into love. Yeah, absolutely. And we're immediately catastrophizing it into possessive energy. Yeah. But if they're on the receiving end and they're feeling jealous, needy, possessive energy, then of course that's, to me, that's a step to say, you know, I have to voice my 
truth yeah. in telling you, like, this is not what we signed up for. Yeah, absolutely. And in a perfect world, that person, like you said, is just projecting that because they've had, they have stronger feelings and maybe the person feels the same way and it works out. But if the person is into it for what they came into it for, which is friends with benefits, it's, it's over. And it's probably a good time to have that conversation and then cut the cord. Completely. And when you're afraid to cut something like that off, something that you're already boxing in and saying, this isn't of substance. This isn't supposed to be long-term. This is just friends with benefits. When you start getting those moments of doubt, you really have to ask yourself, am I prioritizing myself in the situation? Or am I starting to prioritize not wanting to hurt this person's feelings by not speaking my truth? Yeah, absolutely. That's the hardest part about it, I feel like. With situations with like not just friends of benefits, but like situationships mm-hmm. and that stuff like that. Usually, not usually, that's bleak. But oftentimes, I think one person is not being their true self because they don't want to hurt the person's feelings, and the other person's not being their true self because they know the other person is not as invested, but they like them so much that they're letting themselves be in this. 70 30 relationship yeah absolutely and at that point there's selfish energy behind it right because you're being inauthentic absolutely you don't you don't want to ruin the dynamic but you have different intentions and that to me whether or not um it's coming off this way is manipulative that makes total sense because then a lot of times too you end up villainizing the other person completely so there you go that was a that was a solid answer man (laughs) Um, this is just a kind of a funny one, but I know the answer already. Text your ex during the quarantine question mark? No. Absolutely not. No. That's an easy one. Of course not. First of all, you shouldn't be giving anyone attention because you're bored. And I'm saying that because I am somebody who does that. Mm -hmm. I love attention. Mm -hmm. I'll admit it. Mm -hmm. And I love attention when I'm single from numerous people when I'm bored. That doesn't make it right. (laughs) Makes you human, but it, it makes doesn't me make human, it right. but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> but no, absolutely not, because you're just opening a can of worms, and this pandemic is going to end, and then you have to deal with those worms, right? That's it. That's all I got for you. Any tips on talking to a partner about kinks slash fetishes without it being super awkward? Well, I mean, that immediately brings to mind, like, do you already have an open, healthy line of communication with your partner? Absolutely. If you're afraid to express your needs, I don't care if they're sexual or not. If you're afraid to express your needs to your partner, that's somewhere where you need to reevaluate whether, A, you are honoring yourself Mm -hmm. enough to show up and say, these are my boundaries, These are the things that I want. These are the things that I don't want. Yeah. These are my desires. These are my fantasies. Um, And saying that unabashedly. Yeah. Owning your truth. um, Or, you know, getting to that point as well where are you with somebody who either downplays or discredits you when you do express yourself in your truth. Absolutely. And I know that I've been in romantic relationships or, you know, just purely sexual relationships with people. And if I don't feel comfortable expressing myself to those people, Uh the sex is not as enjoyable. Oh, oh my God. Absolutely. I've been in things like that where I feel weird even like directing them. Yeah. When it comes to like achieving orgasm. Right. And that's a recipe already for like 
something like it's just terrible it's never gonna work out completely um I will say I think that it's it's hard because sometimes I have people who reach out and they're like, look, I, I want to tell my girlfriend that I have a fetish and we don't kink shame around here at all, but like they are fetishes that I think like, how would I react as a girlfriend if somebody yeah. had a baby fetish yeah. or something that I like personally, and I consider myself pretty much down for anything. Yeah. Even if I'm not into it, I like pleasing my partner. Totally. Um, but it is tough and I wonder, and I'm not really sure of the answer how a relationship moves forward if you be- get to that crossroad where one person is just absolutely not into something that you are very into. Yeah. And I waver between compromise being both people winning and compromise being both people losing. Okay. Because say you had a certain fetish, yeah. whatever it was, like you you love to be hit and spanked and tied up, like whatever your thing was and you told your partner, I like these things. And they were like, I'm not comfortable doing that. Yeah. And you compromised with like light hitting or, you know, tying up every once in a while. And even when you did, it was only with something like silky that you could escape from. Yeah. Would either of you really be pleased? Would either of you actually be finding pleasure if you met in the middle? Right. But even to go back to the question, how to bring these things up yeah. without it being awkward, um, what I want to say to the person that submitted that question is to start getting comfortable owning that on your own so that when you're approaching your partner, you're going into it without an expectation of their reaction. That's because true. I've found so many times with my own issues that when I'm not confident and I haven't sat with what it is that I want to express to somebody else, yeah. that's when I feel awkward and uh, wavering and shaky. Yeah. And my um, feeling of being okay is more based in how receptive they are Yeah. versus when I sit with what it is that I want to talk to somebody about, whether that's writing about it, having a solo conversation about it, talking with somebody that you trust very deeply to yeah. give you actual truthful, you know, conversation and communication about it, um, that when you finally do bridge that gap and have the conversation, that you're less worried about how that person reacts. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're comfortable with the information that you're sharing. Absolutely. And I also think bringing that energy into it makes the person more receptive. Totally. Like when somebody comes into a conversation, like think about when somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, I have something really, really terrible to tell you. Like you're immediately so on edge Mm -hmm. and like you're going to be upset like no matter what it is. Yes. Versus if they come at you and they're like, they've fully accepted the situation or they're very confident about it. Like it just makes things, like if somebody comes to you and says, hey... I like this really, really weird thing and I really don't want you to freak out. This is going to be a really awkward conversation. Like, yes, it 100% is going to be an awkward conversation. You've already set it up. Absolutely. That gives me anxiety just hearing the hypothetical. Yeah. Versus somebody coming in and being like, hey, I know this is no big deal and like everybody has their own thing, but I just want to let you know that when it comes to sex, like I like A, B, and C and I'd really love to explore that with you. Like it immediately makes no matter what A, B, and C is way less scary. So to the person submitting that question, use Katie's format that she just said (laughs) because it was perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Write it down. You'll be fine. Um, This one, this question gives me anxiety just reading it, which is why I thought it was a good question to ask. Beautiful. Just (laughs) keep laying it on me. Yeah. 
<laughs> how to deal with a friend who likes your boyfriend. And that's it. That's the only context we have of the situation. Okay. It make, I have anxiety already. <laughs> well, because I'm just sitting there, like, even putting you and I in that situation. Yeah. Like, if I came to you and I was like, hey, I'm really interested in your partner. Let's just play it out like that. My God, I already want to barf. Right. <laughs> right. Because then it's like, you're you're putting into position, well, what has my partner said or done to give you the inclination that they're interested in you? Absolutely. Or what situations or contexts are you, oh God, that is just such a layered question because it's it like you can't fault people for their feelings and emotions. Right. Um, but there is something to be said about self-discipline where... And letting yourself even get that far. Absolutely. Because there, I don't care how many times your partner was over yeah. that I would never let my mind wander into, right. well, what if he and I just started something up? Yes. What if he and I just got involved with one another? Yes. Like, that to me kind of comes back to like the perpetual cheating boyfriend where it's like, are you just lacking in self-discipline? Yeah. Are you someone who cannot sit in discomfort mm -hmm. enough to say, I have urges, but I'm more concerned with my partnership that I'm building and growing? Yeah. Um, so for that person asking that question, what do I do about a friend that's interested in my boyfriend? Again, I feel like sex and communication are one and the same. Yeah. I mean, obviously not everyone you're communicating with, you're having sex with. It's kind of like the square and the rectangle. Like every square is a rectangle, but rectangles aren't squares. Right. Like, I don't think that you can have a healthy sexual relationship or partnership if you're not openly able to communicate yeah. with one another. For sure. It's, it's one-sided at the worst mm -hmm. and shallow at its best. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. And I think it, it, my hope with this, with this person who asked this question is that the boyfriend has already expressed that there's nothing on his end and this is totally a one-sided thing. Um, but then it's like, it goes back to what you said. It's like, do you want a friend in your life that doesn't have the self-control to put you in the situation in the first place? Right. Because... And the thread with a lot of these questions to me is just ringing selfishness. 100%. Like, for this person submitting to have a friend that is so inconsiderate mm -hmm. to the position that she's putting her friend in. Yeah. He's putting their friend in. Um, to, to even say, I have feelings for your partner... Is there already something going on? Yeah. And at that point, if there's not something already going on, it's like, I don't think that it's appropriate to, to put them in that position. But then it's like shaming them for having emotions again. So And that's what's hard I too. But there. I think it's like, it, I do think it comes down to what you said in the beginning where it's like, I think that you can on the surface look at someone and say that person is objectively physically attractive or this person has A, B, and C traits. I love those traits in that person. But I think you do have to let yourself like someone. Like, Absolutely. There's a difference between seeing someone and thinking, oh, they're good looking. Or like, for example, like I have friends who have boyfriends and I'm like, man, that guy is like, 
he's awesome. Right. Like he has this trait, like that's awesome. He has yeah. this trait, but there's a difference between like loving those traits in your partner's, in your friend's partner yeah. and thinking, oh, I wish that, you know what I mean? I was able to reap the benefits of those traits. Yes. Like those are two different lines of thinking. I think that you can objectively appreciate your friend's partners. Yeah for who they are and letting yourself imagine yourself in your friend's place are totally different. Yeah. And if it's gotten to the point where, I mean, if the, the girl, the person knows that there's something, that there's on. something going on. So either the friend told them or it's blatantly obvious. Yeah. And at that point, it's like they've let it got so far that I think it's, I, I have to fault the friend a Completely. bit. Completely. So I'd say your friend sucks. No. <laughs> Communicate with your friend. Yeah, communicate openly. with your friend openly. And also to ask that friend, like, are you feeling worthy and capable enough in your own right? Because yeah. even for me, as somebody that's trying to cultivate conscious relationships, whether that's romantic partners, friends, even better relationships with some of my family members or coworkers. Yeah. Um, but going back to romantic partnerships, I have um, like a list of expansive relationships for me. Okay. Like people that I have in my life that are in what I would consider very, um, like Mecca-esque, uh, expansive relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like relationships that I look up to and okay. that okay. give me hope and understanding and rewire my subconscious brain to say that's possible for me. Yeah. But again, stops at that. Right. I'm not going to go and try and steal my friend's boyfriend. Right, right, right. Or even go as far as like fantasizing about being with that person. It's like, yeah, it's exactly that. It's like you can appreciate yeah. a relationship without wanting to ruin it or for to selfishly whatever. It goes back to possessiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Can you walk by a flower, smell it, touch its petals and let it go? Yeah. Or do you have to rip it out of the yeah, ground? Absolutely. For sure. And I'll leave it at that. I love this one. Would it be gay to let one's girlfriend peg them? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, and for regular listeners of this podcast, you all know, I'm a huge advocate for butt stuff, yes. especially for men. Like, I'm a huge advocate for butt stuff in anyone because I do think that it's, like, taboo and unexplored, and I think that there's, like, this weird, I don't know, there's just, like, this weird thing about it where it's, like, women who do it are, like, just doing it for their partner or, are like, more sexually experienced or there's just like there's something about it that's like a step above sex it's like right up there with kink yes and that's weird to me absolutely because we have so many you know receptors there like it's mm -hmm. it's a pleasure area it absolutely is a pleasure area and but especially for men yes. you have a g-spot up there yes. like it's there it's there like it's just crazy that more men aren't like can't look at it in almost like a scientific way yeah. of like there is a spot in my asshole that can give me more of an intense orgasm than regular ejaculation could ever give me and for some reason they have to revert it back to being gay. Oh, I and I and I hate that for them. I don't blame them because society has made them think that. Yeah. But I want men to know that like butt stuff is does not make you gay. The only thing that makes you gay is wanting to have sex with another man. That's yes. it. Nothing yes. else. You could like there's just there's nothing else. That's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I always put that back too like as a woman, obviously like we don't have the same anatomy. 
yeah. as men. Right. But if I knew that putting something up my ass was immediately going to allow me to reach a higher climax, mm-hmm. you can bet your literal ass <laughs> that I would not avoid that. Right. Exactly. It matter who was saying what. Yeah. If I knew that I could get to a higher or heightened sense of pleasure. Yeah. I'm doing it. Absolutely. If you told me right now, like, if you tickle your left armpit three times in a row and then your right armpit <laughs> just once, you're going to get there. I'm going in the other room and I'm doing exactly. it. Exactly. Like, Absolutely. I'm and so it, it really should be that easy. Like, it should be that simple yeah. as, like, this will get, bring you pleasure. Or at the very least, it may bring you pleasure. Yeah. Like, why not try it? Absolutely. And I think that pegging especially comes with a bad stigma because there's such a role reversal. Mm. Men are so used to being masculine and dominant in relationships. And even if you're like, even if a man likes being hit or likes wearing their female partner's underwear or anything that's like slightly submissive, there is nothing more traditional gender role reversal than being penetrated. Yeah. But then it brings me back to the question, are you connotating gay with submissive? Absolutely. I think so many men are. Which to me is ridiculous because someone's going to have to be dominant. Right. Someone's going to have to be taught. Yeah. So it's it's not black and white. Right. It's not, it's, I mean, we, it's never black and we white. We have to blow that out yeah. of the water. Like, I wish you know, that I could round up me and all of my closest female friends and just be like, there's no stigma. Like, yeah. I don't I don't care if it was new propaganda. We were paying off, like, every ad agency yeah. in the city. <laughs> like, if you put something in your ass, it doesn't mean that you're gay. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's like, I, yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like, I want every woman that I've ever talked to agrees with us. Totally. Like, maybe in high school I wouldn't have agreed. Yeah, and then it takes me back to, are we, like, sitting in a small pool? Like, are we just attracting other like-minded people? Right, which absolutely, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, we live in L.A., we live in a very liberal, very open, very fluid society. But even then, I feel like women, in general, want to be dominant. Yeah. Like, a lot of women like being, like, sometimes being dominant. Like, there's nothing, I don't think, like, women don't think, like, oh, if I'm dominant, I'm a lesbian. You know what I mean? Like. I think women sometimes like, and sometimes all the time, yeah. like having a little bit of power. Of course. And it should be a ratioed thing, right? Yeah. Like maybe you like to be dominant 90% of the time and then 10% of the time, like you like to be submissive. Yeah, absolutely. But again, it doesn't change anything to do with your sexual orientation. Right. At all. Absolutely. They're not, they're not one and the same. And in fact, and again, I know that I'm like this very liberal whatever, but I love when a guy is not hyper-masculine yes. and is open about the fact they're not. Like, if a guy can... A guy doesn't even have to be bisexual, but if he can appreciate, you know, a gay love scene or the good looks of a man or, you know, let himself be a little more feminine, um, whether that's in the bedroom or outside of the bedroom, I find that absolutely so sexy. Yeah. Because it makes... it. it, it it, in my mind, it makes them more masculine. Absolutely, because they're more comfortable with it. So and comfortable, I mean, so confident. Well, and going back, so the guy that I have been sleeping with, yeah, telling me that story yeah. about him like kissing his guy friend, yes, just to make him like give him the opportunity to say, "Do you like this or do you not like this?" And then still being cognizant enough to say, "I'm gonna." 
pull away slowly. Yeah. Not for my benefit, not because I'm romantically or sexually enjoying this situation, but because I don't want him to feel rejected. Oh my and then God. sitting with him and asking him, how did you feel? That's the epitome of, of a man. Absolutely. I, of, a, of a, you know, general man. I do not think I've ever been so turned on yeah. than in that moment hearing how like kind and open-minded and generous yeah truly like yeah that to me I was just like I mean one you're physically fucking attractive right like off the charts attractive but like you as your energetic body you as your person your spirit to be able to hold space for your friend who's questioning their sexuality yeah I've never been so turned on it's 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 like you said, it's just, it's kind, it's confident, it's just well-rounded. It's yeah. so the opposite of closed-minded. Yeah. So, again, going back to the question, no, but stuff is <laughs> not gay. And embrace your sexuality. Yeah. Your sexual orientation and take what you're doing mm-hmm. with sex toys out of the equation. Right. That does not make you gay. Right. And never will. It's just about the pursuit of pleasure. That's Absolutely. it. So this is an interesting one. What's the most common yet least expressed and least voice fantasy and why? And I think this is a hard question to answer definitively because if it's not expressed and not voiced, it's hard to know what's the most common. But in my experience, in my research, in the podcast, and it's funny because I brought it up in the, the beginning of this episode, a fetish that I think is way more popular than a lot of people like to think and like to talk about is the baby fetish. Really? It's, I've explored the Reddit threads. It's huge. Okay. The fan base is huge. The porn is huge. I mean, and it's one of those things that like is so hard to talk about because I think people immediately, this is like a weird thing to say, but they think of poop. I was totally going to go into pedophilia. Oh, really? <laughs> so different P words, but okay. that, like that's where my that could mind easy, But that could easily go too. That's the thing. There's so many negative connotations with it. Right. And the reason I say poop is because I think the first thing I think of when I think of a, a person in a diaper is what they're doing in that diaper. Right. right? Of course. And so I think that there's, but that's also a huge thing is imagining like, if I like this, do am I a pedophile? I, I can't speak for everyone and I'm not going to make any huge allegations and say none of them have any you know, impure thoughts like that. But I do think for the, you know, the mommy or the daddy, yeah. it's more of a nurturing thing. Oh, totally. And and that's a pretty natural thing to Absolutely. want to feel like you are nurturing people. I mean, I am not into that fetish, but I am a huge nurturer. Absolutely. Like in the morning, I make coffee every morning for my partner mm-hmm. and every morning he like protests. Yeah. And and I'm like, no, I enjoy doing yes. this. Like, Absolutely. I, I, and I, I'm sure that that's like a, a feminine, you know, Thing that is in me that I, I want to like, you know, nurture, right. but I love doing it. I genuinely enjoy it. And I think that there are some people, and I don't know, you know, necessarily the science between how fetish and kink become part of a person, but I think there's definitely something to say that somebody could want this like overly need to be, to nurture someone to the point where that person needs to literally epitomize a baby. Absolutely. I remember losing my virginity in high school Okay. to... Uh, I mean, I say long-term boyfriend at the time. We were together for, like, two years. Okay. For high school, that's very long. Uh, I, mean, I mean, in general, that's very long. But especially, <laughs> especially when you're young. Especially coming to L.A. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's long-term now, and that was long-term back in my for teen sure. years. Um, but he, I remember, would, like, 
be kissing on my neck come down to my nipples, like stay on my nipples for a while. Yeah. And at one point looked up at me and said, mommy. <gasps> and I was so young, so inexperienced. Yeah. Oh my so God. So confused. Yeah. I would have been so, my God, I would have been so confused. And I was just like, I don't even know how to handle this. Yeah. And then I remember being so like heartbroken and torn up, like getting out of that relationship, getting into another one. Yeah. And then even like the weird parts of it, I was like, missing yeah like I remember getting with my next boyfriend at the time and being like I wish that he would do this wow but at the time I was so freaked out and turned right, off by right, it. like right. I was just like I'm not your mom like don't say that to me like yeah <laughs> especially when you're on my boob like right. that's but I mean it sounds like that was like probably the beginnings of that fetish for him of course and then it like takes me back now to being like conscious as an adult or what I would consider to be the path of consciousness yeah um trying and I'm like oh my god like I hope that my reaction didn't deep set shame yeah inside of him for sure I'm like so tempted to go get my phone and be like hey hey I just want to let you know <laughs> 10 years ago it's okay yeah to call well, your partner mommy I, she is I feel okay like I know you well enough to know that you're the kind of person who probably did not shame them at all no. and even if you like made a weird face or you know didn't you know go along with it I, I know you well enough to know that you weren't like ew you fucking break no, so like you know what not. I mean I doubt that you I doubt that you did that and especially being so young I'm sure he was weirded out too he's like what am I feeling why do I want right. to do this you know what I mean absolutely but it is so huge it yeah. is so huge and I think especially I mean there's been like TLC shows on it like yes adult baby yes 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 and and that's I almost don't like that because it's turning the fetish into a mockery, right? It's like, wh why is that show in between Hoarders and My Strange Addiction where they're eating fucking nail polish? Like, uh, yes. it turns it into it turns it into this thing where it's like, it, it's, it's a it, spectacle. It's a spectacle. It's a Versus spectacle. It being something that's honed and nurtured and explored yeah. and expressed the way that your sexual nature should, but those people are also signing up to be on the show. Right, of and course. And we have to take that into of consideration. Of course, absolutely. Like, if they were setting up cams in people's <laughs> rooms, like, what is that show when they break into people's houses after they pretend to be... What? Like, 14-year-olds on the internet? Oh, I know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't, I don't know the name of it, but I know exactly what you're but talking about. like, Dateline, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, like, fake or set up cams and you're, like, ousting somebody for right their right they're fantasy. signing up they know what they're signing up like for fucking tailpipes on a car like yeah you're you're reaching out you're saying <laughs> yes. this is what I like to do yeah and I want the world to know so um but but I I I have a hard time sometimes I don't I wouldn't say that I kink shame but I think like most people if something is weird to me or something I'm not into my first instinct is to be like uh you know what I mean mm. and I have to sometimes take myself out of that and I think with this one a lot of people's first instinct is to be like yo yeah that is not for me and so I'm gonna judge it right. and but I I think it's way way bigger than people think it is and it goes back to me like one of the things that I refer to a lot with my private clients especially when they're struggling with living authentically yeah um is the shell silverstein poem okay which uh, one? it's called masks and okay it's like she wore a mask and heated too they were both blue and they walked by one another not even knowing that they had passed like like most people if something is weird to me or something i'm not into my first instinct is to be like uh you know what i mean mm. and i have to sometimes take myself out of that and i think with this one a lot of people's first instinct is to be like yo yeah 
that is not for me. And so I'm going to judge it. Right. And But I, I think it's way, way bigger than people think it is. And it goes back to me, like one of the things that I refer to a lot with my private clients, especially when they're struggling with living authentically, yeah, um, is the Shel Silverstein poem. Okay. Which uh, it's called Masks. And okay. it's like, she wore a mask and he did too. They were both blue and they walked by one another, not even knowing that they had passed like other blue people. Oh, okay. They had been hiding their whole lives oh behind my God. these masks. That makes me want to cry. Right. No, it's it's so short. Yeah. And he writes it so obviously. Obviously so well, yeah. Um, but I think that way with sexual kinks as well, whether yeah. it's a, a baby thing or not, whether it's, you know, anything on the spectrum. Yeah. If you are hiding your truth you're missing out on finding aligned partners who yeah. would either be very open, very receptive, or potentially even falling into the same bucket yeah. of enjoying the things that you enjoy. And why would you want to hold yourself back from Absolutely. That? Like, if I feel sexually incompatible with someone, I like something, they are not open to it, I'm like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. This is something very important to me to be able to fully express my wild nature yeah. with someone. And Absolutely. I have to be able to trust them to do that. Yeah. And I think I talk about this a lot about how I go so back and forth on whether I love um, the internet and porn or whether I hate it. And I think there's a lot to love and a lot to hate. So it's a natural thing to feel somewhere in the middle. But one thing I love is that it gives you a safe space. Like imagine having a baby fetish 50 years ago. Like where do you go? Who do you talk to? Like, you have to go to like weird, you know, back ads on the back of a newspaper, or Craigslist, or put yourself in danger yes. because you aren't able to, you know, vet people and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there are entire communities online and places like Reddit exist and things makes me so happy for people that can openly talk about that stuff yes. and, and feel like there's a community and can find people that they're sexually compatible with. It's really beautiful, actually. I mean, so I had an ex that actually met a girlfriend that he had prior to us dating. Okay. So his ex at the time. Yes. Um, on Craigslist because wow. he was looking up people who wanted to watch him jack off. Okay. And she posted an ad being like, I want to watch someone jack off. Oh my God. It's, so like, it's a like a Craigslist love story. It's I'm like saying. if John Green wrote, <laughs> wrote rated R things. Like it's like, it's, it's romantic yes. in a way. No, it, it completely is. And that to me, again, like the vulnerability, the authenticity, the grit, yeah. the truth that's what gets me. Not Absolutely. Not fantasy BS. Yeah. It's, can I be my true and authentic self with you? Mm-hmm. If the answer to that is yes, yeah. that to me is so much more of a spectacle than anything you're going to find on a silver screen. Absolutely. If you can be nasty with someone, you found the right person. <sighs> yes. Okay, so this is a tough one that I'm not 100% sure how to answer. How to tell someone during sex that you don't like something they just did without ruining the moment. Do you have an experience with this? No. And I will say that it's not that I don't have experience in the sense that I've, nobody's ever done anything I didn't like. But it's that I didn't have the balls to say something in the moment. Because I think as a woman, I want to please. Yeah. and Or I've been taught that I want to please. I was just going to say. Um, and... I have a hard time. And also I think men have such fragile egos in bed. I was just talking to my partner about this. 
and as 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 a male, his first instinct was to get defensive. Mm-hmm. And then I had to be like, look, I'm not blaming you for it. Like society has made you think that you have to come ten buckets of cum, yes. and you have to do that after you know two hours of sex, yeah. and you have to stay hard the whole time. Yes. Like you have an ego in bed, but it's not your fault. Like society has, has made you have that ego, but either way, you have it. Like. Right straight cis men have an ego in sex a lot of them do and a lot of women have this preconceived notion that they have to please and so because of that so much gets unspoken in the bedroom in hetero relationships and so yeah I think there have been situations where somebody was doing something I wasn't into and I just let it fly and I think if it was something I was really, really, really not into, I, pr- I maybe would have said something, but it, it hasn't gotten that far. But with the few small things, I, I've let it fly. Yeah. Because it's in, in the moment, it's hard. Well, and I mean, this is going back to when you're like the parts of porn that I love and the parts of porn that I hate. Yeah. Like, this is one of the parts of the porn culture that I really have a disdain for where it's like women are expected to just be essentially fuck toys. Yeah. Like do whatever you want to me. Yes. Let me just be an object to you so you can come. Yes. Um, versus, again, openness, communicating. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's so important and I will say like an example that I have of this um, I was sleeping with a guy that used to choke me so hard that I was like crying, getting oh my God. dizzy and not that I can't enjoy that at some point, right. but like to the point where I was like, there's aggression behind this. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. A hundred percent. Energy is so important to me in that yes. way. Like I see evil yes. in your eyes right. when yeah. you're doing And this. that's like not fun during no. sex. Like, so it was like. And, but again, even in that moment, trying to be sexy and I'm like, I love that, but just a little lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Like, yeah. <laughs> even in that moment, it's like to say a hard no. Yeah. It's difficult. It is. It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult. I think it has to be kind of like what you just said. It has to be more like, hey, I'm having a great time, but like, let's take it down a notch yeah. or hey, let's try this instead. Right. Like, there's always... It's almost like talking to a child, right? Like, it's almost like trying to get a child to do what you want them to do. And that's not calling men children. I think women are the same way. Like, if I was doing something that my partner didn't like, I would hope that he'd come at it in a very sensitive way so I also didn't feel, you know... I don't know the words that I said I wouldn't feel weird about what just happened. Absolutely. I think in sex, you're just so vulnerable that like you almost, like you said, you both have to kind of treat each other very sensitively. Completely. And as a Reiki master teacher, your sacral chakra, the second chakra that you okay. have that's in your low belly space, okay. represented by the color orange and some of the, the properties or the background to this energy is sensuality okay as well as creativity liberation but also connection to your inner child oh so the oh, fact wow. that these are rooted in the same energetic yeah. center even from a very alternative eastern medicinal background yeah we have to think about that we have to think about the fact that if we are out of alignment with this center yeah it could be tied to our connection to our inner child or our sensuality or our sexual that makes so much sense energy so when you said that my eyes are lighting up like I wish that we had video footage yeah because I'm like sitting pointing at you for like yeah. a straight minute I'm like whoa yeah. breakthrough um but yeah that reality that you really are like in that moment as 
we think is the most mature version of ourselves is also the most immature version of ourselves. Absolutely. It, and it's met. It's crazy. Met in the bedroom. Yeah. Or wherever you get it on. Okay, let's do one more question. Why? So many of these questions are about kink. I'm glad that we're really, really going deep into, into kink today. Why do I like sharing women with other men? And this is from a man. Okay. So he's asking why he likes to share women with other men. Yes. Which, again, I understand being a male who's obviously straight or also likes women. Maybe he likes both. Yeah. Um, to, to not, it, it almost goes back to the, to the, to the pegging thing. Yeah. It's like by liking to watch your woman with other men or whatever the case is, gangbang threesomes, mm-hmm. you have to accept that you are sharing your woman, yeah. that you are in some ways being cuckolded. Yeah. And I think it's a very common kink, but I definitely think it's one that is a lot of times stigmatized yeah. because Again, it, it affects their masculinity. Yeah. And it goes back to very primal biological makeup. Yeah. Um, and I love, you know, reading and watching videos and understanding this more, just like the very deep psychoanalysis on this, um, where women are louder to attract more men and men's penises are shaped a certain way to like extract like the cum of other men from the vaginal canal. Like, wow, there's just so much that leads into it that I almost wonder if as much as it seems like a weakened position to watch your woman with another man, maybe it's empowering in a certain way um, to say like, I'm biologically built to to take that out and give you mine afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Even if that's not Um, where your mind is going consciously or subconsciously, maybe you just like to watch your partner receive pleasure. Maybe you've let go enough and you've released possessiveness enough to say, watching you derive pleasure, whether it's with me or without me, turns me on. And that's super hot. It's it's putting your partner on a pedestal of like, I love this. I love to watch (laughs) this. I love to watch you receive this. And as somebody that... Highly, highly turned on by being and feeling worshipped. Yeah. That, to me, is like an ideal situation. Absolutely. And I also think, too, it kind of goes back to, I mean, what you're talking about, it makes so much sense with, like, the way that we've become humans. Um, Women having only one partner is relatively new. Like, we were not always that way. The only reason that we're monogamous is because of agriculture and because we needed to know who our children were to be able to pass down our land. But before that, it didn't matter. So it's it's interesting that kind of we've come to this place now of, like, possessiveness and, and men needing to, like, possess their one woman and stuff like that. And I think men who, like have deviated from that feel shamed when there's really no reason to if anything they're probably more like biologically just like going back to their roots (laughs) and I was just gonna say too like even in an enlightened spiritual manner like have these men broken through right like have you released the maya the stigma the deep dark blanket that has energetically been placed upon all of us yeah to say it's not about me being your only one. Yeah. And maybe I want to stare in your eyes as your 
coming to a state of orgasm and seeing you from a different position. Like maybe it's just that. Yeah. Maybe it's just the witnessing and the newness of something that you can't get from being the only partner. Yeah. I don't know. I think there to the person asking that question, I don't think that there's anything wrong with it. But again, going back to some of the earlier questions, I think it's just about being open about that. And finding a partner that's okay with that, of course, because then your female partner is having to be penetrated by somebody else, trust them enough to know that you're having safe sex, whatever the situation is. Yeah. Um, So, but I think the innate desire to watch your female partner be with another man um, is almost more deeply rooted in love than anything else. I agree. I totally agree. I feel the same way sometimes about polyamory in that, in that way. Um, I think that's a good place to end. Thank you. Wow. We, we've been talking for a long time. We're talking for 43 minutes. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. There's a lot of good questions. You a have lot a questions. lot of really I, interesting I had to, I had to omit a few, um, unfortunately. But maybe that means we'll just do a Q&A part two. Um, we got nothing else to do. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you want to be on the podcast, you can send me questions to WTGFYpodcast. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. You can send me a DM. You can hit me up on Twitter. Both are at Rhea Carmona. Um, or you can send me an email. You can send me a voice memo. You can basically reach me anywhere, anytime, any way you want to. Um, Please leave me a good review if you like the podcast. It really helps me out. Write me a few words. Subscribe on YouTube if you're watching there. And I hope you enjoyed this. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for being on again. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys for letting me be a part of the Was That Good For You community. I love being on it. Woo!